1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome to On The Market. This is York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and real estate expert is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning. We're now into the last two months of 2019. What is this time typically like for the real estate market? Great question. You know, typically right now, the market's starting to slow down. People are starting to think Christmas shopping, it's after Halloween, and, and you're getting into that look and feel of, you know, winter hitting. However, right now, with the weather the way it's been, the market's really hot. We don't have a lot of inventory. Uh, people are scooping up product, and, you know, sales have been really brisk. So it's very atypical. If you think about this time of year, uh, you know, if you look at the entire year right now, we're almost to the 2018 total for sales in in all of Toronto. And, uh, you know, York Region has already surpassed last year's sales. So the next two months for York Region are pretty much bonus bonus months. And we are going to hit a typical market on the Toronto Real Estate Board. You sell about 85,000 to 92,000 homes. Last year was an off year and, and we only sold 78,000 homes. Okay. This year we should hit about 86,000 homes if we have a, a fairly typical end with November and December. Now here we are, you know, it's November, uh, U.S. Thanksgiving is still ahead of us, Black Friday is still ahead of us. Does that have an impact on the real estate market? It sure does. I mean, it does increase travel. You know, consumer confidence is back this year, so you're going to start to see more people take some time off and and head, head down south for Black Friday. And, and you've got you're going to have a lot of activity, not only in the real estate market, but, you know, out the spending in the economy altogether. Okay. So that that's just a, you know, it, when consumer confidence is high, you're going to see that. It always comes back to that. Now, yeah. you recently attended the Toronto Real Estate Board annual meeting where all the 905 mayors were present. What can you tell us from that meeting? You know what, uh, Mayor Frank Scarpitti had some great things to say, not only about the so young he's from subway center, he's from Markham, and we were talking about, you know, what, what's gonna impact Markham the most, and, and he's really been pushing for this subway extension to, to come up to Highway 7. Now, with that, there's, there's been a lot of downloading of cost from the federal government down to the municipal, uh, boards, and that's, uh, an issue because Markham has to fund I think it was like $60 billion of this project, which is unreal. I mean, this should be coming in all other major cities. It's, uh, it, it's the, the major governments that do it, not the municipal governments. However, uh, the federal government has said that Markham would have to foot a lot of this bill. And he was saying, we don't want to add another tax that's going to have to pay for this. But, you know, they are considering maybe a land transfer tax. Uh, in order to subsidize some of this. You know, another thing that they just started, which was really interesting, was a hotel tax. It's a 4% hotel tax. And half of that is going to attract more people to Markham, which is, it's it's kind of cool because it, it's almost like a, another marketing budget that they can use to bring more money into the Markham economy 
to help them fund projects like the the subway extension. So it sounds like Markham's mayor, Frank Scarpetti, is looking for creative ways and alternatives to taxing his own residents to pay for this subway line. Exactly, because Markham's been... You know that they've in the last 13 years they've had the least increases for residential taxes, and he wants to stay with that, and he doesn't want to add a burden to the residents. So they are trying to come up with different ways in order to give us the infrastructure that we need to be a major city, and at the same time not increase the burden to taxpayers. Now you've also been really busy. You're just back from a conference in Banff. What can you tell us about that one? It was great to connect with uh, other owners and colleagues from across Canada and some from the U.S. And it, it just shows us how strong the York region market really is, you know, in, in comparing numbers and talking to people from Alberta and B.C. And, and seeing how their real estate markets have struggled. I mean, York region is comparatively on fire. Our inventory is down. Our inventory is down 21.9%. If you, if you take a snapshot of at the end of October right now, we only have about 4,000 homes to sell. And, you know, comparatively, last year at this time, we had over 5,100. Now, sales for October were up about 14, 15%, and sales for the year in York Region are up about 24%. So we continue to lead. I mean, the bounce back cities have been Markham, Vaughan, Richmond Hill, and those are our big three. And our our entire York Region real estate landscape is determined by how well those three cities respond, and it's been great to see. And what did you hear from your colleagues across the country from REMAX or in the U.S.? In the U.S., they have a fairly balanced market as well. I mean, there's some pockets in the U.S. that are on fire, and, and you're getting 10, 12, 15 offers on properties, and they're not used to seeing that. Mm-hmm. In Alberta and B.C., it's a little bit quieter. And especially in BC with all the new taxes that their governments have come up with, they're really taking a hit this year in number of sales. Then you have Nova Scotia, which, again, it's on fire right now. There's multiple offers. There's things selling for $40,000, dollars $60,000 over asking. So there's a a wide range of activity all throughout or non-activity throughout. Uh, I think overall we're going to hear from uh, Jordan Nanowski from CMHC a little bit later in the show and, and try to get a perspective on what's happening in the rest of Canada. But York Region continues to lead the way. Now, you talked about uh, York Region and out east sort of leading the way and being hot markets and while the west coast is kind of quiet. Is what's happening on the west coast going to inch its way across the country, do you think? With with the Toronto market, it's a totally different animal. And, you know, sure, what happens down south does affect us. What happens in B.C., you know, the governments will try to come up with new taxes and, and try to cool things down. Our, our problem has never been uh, anything except supply. Supply is the issue. And until our governments address supply, we'll continue to be in multiple offers, the price will continue to rise. We need more supply here. In BC, they have added so many different taxes to try and curb that market growth or market appreciation. You're starting to see a lot of uncertainty and people shying away from there and going to other places like Nova Scotia or Ontario, and those markets are now booming. Even Quebec, if you look at Montreal, who would have thought 10 years ago that Montreal Mm -hmm. would be a hot market downtown Montreal right now? And it is. All right, when we come back, the Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation with their outlook for 2020 and 2021. Stay with us. You're listening to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. 
Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Thank you, Tina. We have a real treat for our listeners. Uh, joining us next is Jordan Nanowski, and Jordan is the senior market analyst covering the GTA for CMHC. Jordan, welcome to our show. Hey, thanks for having me. Jordan, the uh, CMHC Outlook uh, just came out for 2020 and 2021. Now, it's, it talks a lot about housing starts and how it, you know we're poised to register a second consecutive annual decline for housing starts. Can you tell us a little bit more about the uh, the results from the survey? In 2019, we're expecting um, housing starts to go down a little bit before picking up and rebounding in 2020 and 2021. Part of that has been from lower um, pre-sales in the low-rise homes uh, back in 2018, which has kind of dampened um, starts growth in 2019, but um, high-rise starts are still doing uh, quite well in, in 2019, and once um, low-rise uh, starts kind of uh, recover, um, we're, we're expected to see a uh, increase in 2020 and 2021. Now, does this have to do with approvals or, or you know longer waiting times for builders to get their approvals to start building projects? What caused the decline from 2018 to 2019? Um, so part of that has been, I guess, the market adjusting a little bit to um, kind of the shift in housing demand we're seeing from um, low-rise units to higher-density units, and part of that is driven by um, just their relative affordability. You know, uh, the the other part of the forecast, it says that uh, resales will continue at the 2018 levels, and you know, in in the the coming years, they're they're expected to increase, and that's going to offset some of the the declines that we saw in 2016 and 2017. Now, looking at the numbers right now, year to date, we look like we're just about to surpass 2018 results. What are you guys seeing in the crystal ball uh, for 2020 and 2021? Well, we're expected to see more housing market activity. Um, there's a lot of people coming into the GTA um, each year. Where we have about 100,000 net uh, immigrants per year. The economy is doing quite well. We're seeing strong average weekly earnings growth and a very low unemployment rate. And that kind of fuels housing demand, right? And since we're seeing price gaps between the new home market and the resale market, and affordability is something that's kind of on everyone's minds, we're kind of seeing more of that demand funnel to the resale market, which will um, result in higher sales um, and uh, stronger average price growth. And consumer confidence. I mean, we've been talking on this show a lot about consumer confidence and how it's returned over the last six or seven months. How do you see, you know, the consumer confidence playing a role in in moving this market forward and, and getting, you know, into a, a growth phase after pretty much, uh, you know, a few months of trying to maintain the level of sales that we had last year? As we've seen, um, I guess, historically, people's or, or consumer perceptions of the market is quite important. That's, that was quite evident in 2017. I think right now the housing market is in a more balanced state, and it shows, and I think consumers are kind of acting on that. Now, consumers are also concerned, obviously, about the the cost of housing and the price tag attached to a home. 
What do you want to say to those listeners who say, you know what, I don't know when I'm going to be able to afford a home. I'm not sure I can jump into that market. Right. Well, home ownership is a very personal and I, um, I guess decision for each individual based on a variety of factors. Um, there's always the rental market, which we see um, strong and increasing demand for, which is kind of keeping vacancy rates low and uh, rents growing at a moderate pace. However, it's also um, kind of driving uh, rental construction growth. So we're actually seeing and we actually expect rental construction growth to uh, grow at basically the strongest rate it's been since about the 1990s. And in terms of actual home ownership and the cost around that, um, I guess there's a variety of uh, home um, housing types, and I guess people can sort themselves into whatever best fits their need, right? And that's what people are doing. They're, they're tending to move towards higher density, relatively more affordable units. And, and what are you telling people that are saying, hey, you know what, I'm just going to sit back because we're in a balanced market and prices are going to level off or prices are going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be cheaper for me to buy a house if I just hold off. Because when you look at the average price at the end of 2017, we were sitting at 822000 and change. Last year at the end of uh, 2018, we we're at 787000 But now if you look at a snapshot of where we're at right now. We're at 811,000 again. So obviously it's not at the peak levels that we saw in 2017, but it is still more than 2018. So, you know, what, what's the message to the consumer when they think that prices are actually falling because of what they hear and, and what they're seeing? But when you look at, you know, apples to apples, the price has gone up about $30,000, which is a lot. Right. Uh, and real estate prices tend to tend to go up at a fairly consistent rate. And we kind of see that when we zoom out a little bit. I think if we're just comparing back to 2017, it's easy to kind of have that uh, kind of uh, view, view of things. But if you zoom out uh, at a more kind of macro scale, you can see that housing prices have been going up quite consistently in the GTA over the last decade. So York Region, we're really short on inventory right now. We're we're down 21.9% in inventory compared to last October, and we've sold 14% more homes than we did last October. But at the same time, for the year, we've sold 23.5% more homes than we did last year. So when we're looking at York Region sales and when we hear that York Region is you know one of the quieter markets, I think the disconnect here is we have a lot more condos for sale in York Region than we ever did before. And when you're looking right. at average price, you have to also factor in the mix because the mix has shifted a lot from detached to condos. And that's of course. making the average price appear to be lower. However, when you look at sales, York Region has been on fire over the last little while. And, and when consumers are looking at the region as an investment or, or even for first-time homeowners, it's really hard for them to get a home in New York region. So what we, you know, have you seen any other pockets that would be deemed affordable for our listeners uh, that are in New York region looking to buy their first home? Nothing that immediately comes to mind. Yeah. With, I mean, within New York region. Within New York region, yeah. I mean, Durham, Peel, there, there's opportunities in these regions as well, but you know, in, in order to in order to uh, get investors in and, and first-time buyers in, we're, we're trying to find more pockets in Canada or, or in and around the region that we can let people know that hey, this would be a good first step for you, and then you can come back to the region. And you've talked about the first step on this show, Asif. You've talked about getting into the market, and that might mean getting into a condo first. 
Exactly. I mean, the average price of a condo in New York region, as you know, Jordan, is uh, around $500,000. And that could be a good first step for homeowners in New York region, right? Right. And that's why we're seeing a lot of um, market activity, I guess, in that uh, in that specific market, the, the condo market that is, um, it's currently in a seller's market territory across the GTA with a sales to new listings ratio above, I think, uh, 70%. And um, so, in terms of kind of the first step to home ownership, condos are definitely a pretty pretty good uh, point of entry. Awesome, now, Jordan. If listeners want to get a hold of this CMHC report, or if they need more information about what uh, CMHC does, how do they contact you? Um, so you can just go straight on our website and go to the research section, and our housing market outlook is available there. And um, if you have any questions, you can always contact me or Dana Senegama. Um, I believe our emails are posted online on the website. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for that information. Great having you on the show. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. When we come back, we get to your real estate questions and this week's hot listing. And just a reminder, if you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 1059 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Time now for our listener questions, and the first one comes from Dawn in Thornhill. She writes, my agent refuses to use social media to market and hopefully sell my home. What do I do, and how can I end my working relationship with him? Asif, what do you think? Wow, Don. Uh, thanks for sending the question in. That's a loaded question, and <laughs> and it's a question that I would love to answer. However, because you're in a working relationship with another agent, I am unable to answer that question. Uh, I think the first thing you should do is have a phone conversation or a meeting with your agent and try to get on the same page and and maybe you know come to some sort of understanding on what you guys want to do together or, uh, you know, what you'd like the agent to do. The best thing to do is, you know, have that meeting, have that face-to-face conversation or even a phone conversation. Get on the same page and, and see if you guys can work together. If not, then you can always ask your agent uh, for, for a release or, you know, a parting of ways, whichever way that uh, the agent feels comfortable doing it or you feel comfortable doing it. After you have that conversation with the agent, you do have an extra step, though. You could go and speak to the brokerage and and ask the brokerage if they have any uh, you know means to help you out with this uh, with, with the advertising and marketing. And once you're completely sure that you know you you want to make that move to a different brokerage, then you can approach them and ask them for a release. However, unfortunately, because you're in a working relationship. It would be unethical of me to offer advice on how you should market this property or your agent should market this property. So but, let's talk you know, hypothetically then. How does a release work? How does she get out of this relationship? And is she obligated to not do anything for a period of time? So your, your contract when you're in a listing is with the brokerage itself. And you can go to the broker of record or the manager and ask for another agent that may fit 
you better. Okay, so and that's an option. That's an option. And if not, if you don't find that available to you, then you can obviously ask them for a release. They don't have to release you. You're in a, you know, a listing is a binding contract and it's a minimum 60 days. It has to be a minimum of 60 days to hit the MLS system. And if you're within that 60 day period, it's, it's, it's a contract. It's tough for, you know, if, for us, if we're unable to gel with a certain client, we don't want to be in that situation. So we'll give them a release if we have to. I mean, it hasn't happened yet. But if we had to, hypothetically speaking, we would say, hey, you know what? Things aren't working out. It's not good for you. It's not good for us. Uh, you know, let's let's release. So it and is And is there possible. a period of time that Don is not able to talk to another agent or a brokerage? There isn't. However, if someone was introduced to that property during that time there's a holdover period then you would be responsible to compensate the agent for that with a new listing holdovers don't really apply so if you do relist it with another agent that doesn't apply but if you haven't relisted it then there's a holdover period all right good advice there our next question comes from alex and markham he wants to know when is the earliest in spring that he can list his home for sale another great question alex now with the spring market people are trying to jump in and, and get ahead of the spring market. So you want to lead. You want to be the leader. You don't want to have to follow, uh, you know, trends or or you don't want to have to be a, a follower in terms of price points. You want to get on the market probably the end of February, early March, because you want to beat everyone else to it. The first one off on the bus is going to be the first one off the bus as long as you're priced properly and your property looks great. So Let's have that conversation maybe end of December, beginning of January, because you want to beat the rush. So now there's people coming on the market, you'll notice, at the end of January. Why? Because there's less competition. You can kind of control where you want to go with price points and closing dates and everything because you don't have that competition. Once you start getting into April, May, June, everyone on the street is on for sale. And now you're just, it's a price game, right? So someone's going to be $5,000 less or someone's going to be... $2,500 less. Someone's going to have granite counters. The other person isn't. So you don't want to compete. You want to get on the market before everyone else does. I would say end of January to the end of February is the sweet spot that you want to hit. Asif, if our listeners want to contact you directly, how can they do that? They can contact me at 416-985-5426. That's 416-985-CON. Just before we go, this week's hot listing and joining us next is Heather Cooper from Remax Prime Properties. Heather, over to you. Thank you, Tina. This week's hot listing is a stunning five-bedroom, six-bathroom home in one of the most prestigious areas of Thornhill. This home is a true masterpiece featuring gorgeous millwork throughout, a gourmet chef's kitchen, spacious mastery tree, and a beautifully landscaped yard with a beautiful in-ground pool. Asif, what do you think? This is an awesome location and also... The house is stunning. I mean, from, from when you drive up to this property to as you're touring through, it's just, it's an absolutely stunning home. It, it's a must-see. Would this be considered a luxury or executive home because of its size and the number of bedrooms and bathrooms? Yeah, this home is 4,300 square feet. Wow. Absolutely. Um, like I said, the, the yard is completely landscaped. It's absolutely stunning. The millwork throughout is unbelievable. It's on the walls. It's on the ceiling, the tray ceilings. It's got it all. And, and the way the market's going now, you see a lot of multifamily homes. And this would be a perfect multifamily home because you can have your, your parents or your in-laws moving in. You can have a nanny suite. It, it's, it fits all the criteria that if, 
you know, a, a younger family wants to get into the larger home market and, you know, they're trying to sell their, their home plus their parents' home. This is a, a great transition home. Sounds like there's a lot of pluses there. Heather, one more time, the highlights of this property and where our listeners can get more information. This home is located at 121 Vaughan Boulevard in Vaughan and is listed for $2.8 million. And for more information, they can contact us at 905-554-5522. Great home, heart of Thornhill, fabulous price point for what you're getting. That's our show for this week. Remember, if you need to connect with Khan or if you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.